I did not request this beforehand, so my apologies to the gentleman in the audiovisual booth. But if you would bring down the house lights just a little bit, we have some pictures to show. Normally, at the beginning of each sermon, I will start talking about Northside 90 Days and maybe show a picture or two of everything that has been done or posted or said. Well, we have finished Northside 90 Days today. And that's a, an awesome thing. I wanted to share some of you, the memories uh, that I saw as we went through uh, this past 90 days. We began going through the New Testament and committing as a congregation to reading through the entire New Testament, even our animals, even in the hospital, with our children, as a family, We have read the Word and studied the Word, discussed the Word, shared the Word, heard the Word, illustrated the Word, carried the Word with us wherever we went, even acted out the Word, sang the Word. Northside 90 Days has been a great program, and it's been about the Word. Now, I know some of you have not participated because you have your own reading program. That's fine. The point is that you're in the Word. Northside wants to be a congregation that always is in the Word. And so as we finish out today, I want to say kudos and congratulations to those of you who finished. And those of you who are still a little behind, can can I make a confession here? I've still got a little bit of revelation to finish up. So if your preacher can admit to that, I want to tell you all that you can finish up as well. Better late than never. On those Bible reading card, the the reading plan that you have pictured on the slide there, there's not a date on any of that. You can start at any point. We're going to leave that on the website. We're going to leave that on social media. By my count, you could probably do it three more times during the year. And the point is... That we want all of us to be committed to reading his word, knowing his word. So what's next? Well, today we start Northside 270. We have the bracelets. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) A collective sigh of relief was found in the congregation. Ironically, today, I'm going to be calling for less Bible reading. Because I don't think the problem in the church is Bible knowledge. I mean, if we're honest, the the challenge is not the reading of the words on the page. The, The challenge is to write those words on our hearts where they take root and where where they bear fruit, bear the fruit of his spirit. Last week, we talked about loving God. Now, I know we're not big into proactive things, but I'm going to ask you for an easy one this morning. By show of your hands, how many of you love God? See, I even got the non-hand raisers on that one. He's like, okay, we're not raising our hand today. But if I'm honest, and if you're honest too, That's easy. 
It's not hard to fake my love for God. I can fool most anyone rather easily. And so can you. You'll be going to church long enough, you know how to do it. You know how to say the things that you fly under everyone's radar. Everyone asks how you're doing and you say you're fine and you go on about it. You may be dying on the inside. You may have talked to God in months, but that's easy to cover up. What I'm going to talk about this morning, you can't hide. You can't fake it. If you're not truly in love with God, well, you might be able to fake that for a while. But if you don't love your neighbor, everyone will soon know. Last week, we focused on the first and greatest command. We said the goal of every Christian is not to get to heaven. The goal of every Christian is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you don't love Him... The rest of it doesn't matter. I mean, really, if you're here this morning, and this is the first time you've talked to God all week, i got to ask you why you're here this morning. If this is the first time you spend in communion with your Lord, you're missing something. It's the most important thing. If you don't get anything else, Jesus said, you got to do that. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40 is where Jesus told us that last week. Verses 38, 39, and 40, Jesus said this. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I've studied a lot of Bible. Hebrew and Greek, I've exegeted text, I've studied homiletics, I've studied every way to analyze scripture I know. And Jesus says this, if you miss the first two, you're wasting your time. So today's lesson is one simple point, followed by four opportunities to apply it. Because I think... We need more application than understanding. Our understanding is great. It's the application where we get hung up. So that's what we're going to talk about this week with the second command, to love others. Now, the verse was just read for you from Mark 12, verses 28 through 34. So I'm not going to reread the whole thing. But Jesus says there, verse 31, the second command is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. When I think of a neighbor, I think of an actual neighbor, a really good example that I had in my life. Now, I've told before many times of the example my grandmother and my great aunt lived out for me. I, they, I mean, I, I cut my teeth listening to the words, sitting beside them in that pew at Emporia Avenue. And they showed me so much and they answered so many questions. They helped me understand the Bible and doctrine. But what spoke to me more than anything was their lives. Now, my grandmother and my great aunt, her sister, Donna, both loved their neighbors. And I mean their literal neighbors. 
My grandmother had a, a neighbor across the street. They would go and visit every, almost every morning without fail. They both, you know, whoever's turn it was, would put, put the coffee on. The other would come over. They'd both have their cups of coffee, and they'd sit on the porch swing of their homes and visit and talk about life and pray for one another and show concern for one another and do the things that neighbors ought to do. When my grandmother passed away about four years ago, her neighbor was at her funeral. She remarked, I just don't know what I'm going to do without Barbara. That's loving your neighbor. That's being involved with their lives. Maybe that's a generational thing. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a cultural thing. But I think somehow today we've, we've lost a little bit of that. Now, the logical question when we understand that the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, the logical question to ask is, well, who is my neighbor? And that very question was asked of Jesus in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And there was a man who said, but who is my neighbor? And Jesus, great teacher that he was, didn't answer the question directly. He simply answered with a story. He said, let me tell you a story about a man who went from Jerusalem to Jericho. And while going on that journey, he was stripped and beaten by robbers, and he was left to die on the side of the road. And there were a couple of very religious people. They looked really good on the outside. They knew the scriptures, probably could have debated them. But when they saw that man agonizing, in pain, lying left for dead on the side of the road, they simply walked to the other side of the road. And they walked by Two of them, the most religious people, they would have immediately raised their hands, do they love God? But you see, they missed the second command. Then a Samaritan came along. Now, you and I say Samaritan, and that has no meaning. If I said to you, there was a man going from Wichita to Derby. And while he was there, he was carjacking. He was left for dead. And an elder came along and saw, but he was late to church, and so he sped on by. And a preacher came along, but he had to teach Bible class that morning, so he sped on by. But there was this terrorist, a member of ISIS, who came along and saw that man. And he picked him up, and he bandaged his wounds, and he took him to the hotel down the road, and he fed him, and he looked after him. You understand how offensive that is to our senses? We don't see them that way. That's what Jesus was doing when he said, a Samaritan, a good Samaritan. You see, Jesus was saying, well, you and I, when we think about neighbor, our answer is that a neighbor is anyone who agrees and thinks and acts and believes like me. Jesus' answer was simply this. A neighbor is anyone who's close to you. Physical proximity, relational proximity, anyone whose lives you can touch is your neighbor. This should seriously change how we treat all people. 
I mean, the, the people who live next door to you, I don't know who they are. You know them, or maybe you don't. Do you even know their names? you know what they're going through? Have you walked with them? Have you talked with them? Have you shared life with them? Co-workers? Relatives? People on social media? Listen, it, before you throw out your political rants on Facebook, your time would be spent a lot better if you would just close the computer and go knock on your neighbor's door and say, how are you doing? That's what Jesus meant by loving your neighbor. Uh, we see people. I mean, for me, that was Grandma Barbara. Aunt Donna had a, a neighbor down the road. She was a, a different religion, very different religion. But that neighbor would bring, would bring her little girl. And let Donna watch her. Now does that tell you how much she trusted Donna? How much she loved her? And how much she saw the love of Christ in her? Or think about Bob Kingsley. When he passed away, I mentioned his name before, he's such a great example though. We filled about half this auditorium with Northsiders, and the other half, and any overflow, was the town of Sedgwick. Why? Because he got the second commandment. He understood that those were the two most important things. That loving your neighbor is how your love for God is lived out. Jesus said this in John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. We spend a lot of time at church thinking about buildings, planning ministries, planning worship, increasing our Bible knowledge, making sure there's people and programs. And Jesus says this, maybe nothing wrong with that, but that's not how they're going to know you're my disciples. How they're going to know is if you love one another. Throughout all generations in every time and every place, Jesus said that the one thing his people would have in common would be our love for each other. I could go to a group half a world away with no building at all, no sign, no fancy stationery, no handout, and I should be able to know if they're disciples of Christ by one thing, how they love one another. You may claim Christ, you may claim you love the Lord, but it is your family, your friends, your relatives, your co-workers, and even strangers who know if that's true. It's easy to read, it's hard to live. Every church claims that they're friendly and loving, but every church can do better, including us. So you got your one point this morning. Now I want to give you four simple applications. Number one, 
use the book. Now, when I say use the book, you think, oh, you know, open your Bibles. No, that's actually not what I mean this morning. I want to call you to use a different book. Today we're beginning a new system that we think will help us do better at loving others. The current, the old system, I guess you would say, is our cards. What's the problem with the cards? I like the cards, Toby. Jesus filled out a card. I, I like the cards. Nothing wrong with it. No. Well, the problem with the cards, at least for us at Northside, is this. People don't use them. There's too many members who don't fill them out. And guests who are here, they'd like to look around and say, well, if these people aren't filling a card, I'm sure not filling out a card. I'll meet 20 guests and I'll get four guest cards on Monday morning. I'll, I'll say, well, something's not right with that system. So today, we're going to try upgrading from cards to books. It's important for us to have a record of who attends our worship service. But because a lot of members don't fill those out, and as a result of that, a lot of our guests don't fill those out, our, our system is broken. We think a better way to get this information is to start using books. And so today we're going to start using that. We're going to practice here in a second. I apologize if you're a guest here because this is definitely inside baseball stuff. But this is the only way we could do it effectively to hopefully explain the why and the how of improving loving our neighbor. We believe this system will help us better serve and shepherd our members and also our guests. On the left end, your left, not my left, on the left end of each pew, you're going to find a welcome book. Just hold those up for a second if you wouldn't mind. Just make sure everybody has them. Now, I know some of you are, are overachievers and you're thinking, oh, you're already filling it out. Stop. I don't want you to do any of that. It should be on the left end. If it's been passed down to you, pass it back and just look at him and say, mm-mm, mm-mm. Now, this is an important point, and I'll tell you why. Because every time we come to worship, you're going to be tempted, oh, there's the book. I'll just fill it out and pass it down, fill it out and pass it down. The problem is, a guest comes in, and they've checked us out online, and they've been perusing our website, and they say, okay, we'll come today, and they get the kids together. And, they get, and they're running late, and they're trying to find a parking spot, and they get in, and they come in about ten minutes late. And they come in and they sit down and, and they just, and now we've got some, our, our very zealous members have already passed the book. And it doesn't get to them. So every time we come together we worship, we're going to instruct you, okay, now is the time to pass the book. Okay? And, and we've done that later in the service so that we make time for uh, our guests and we make sure that we try to reach them. Inside each book is a pen. Uh, you'll see... This is the front of the book, and inside is a page that looks like this. It says guests on one side and members on the other. Now, we want to ask one person from each family. I'm going to call that the head of household, but you figure out who it is for your family. Today, today we know there's going to be a lot of duplication of information, but most other Sundays just agree, okay, for our family it will probably be Tyler. He considers himself head of household, so... <laughs> Teen section, that means you're probably not going to fill out the book because most of your families, someone else will have filled it out. But you still need to pass the book because there will probably be guests. Hopefully you're bringing your friends and we would like to fill them to fill it out. Uh, if they see others passing it and writing in it, they'll be more likely to. 
Now, when the book reaches the right end of the pew, you're not done. You're going to pass it from the left, start on the left, pass it to the right, and the person on the far right, when you receive the book, you pass it back to the left. Now, don't pass it closed, pass it open. There's a purpose in this. When the book comes to you, as you see it, either passing to the left or passing back to the uh, passing to the right or either passing back to the left, you're going to look at the names on the book. You see, at Northside, and I know you remember this, we have a lot of faces. I've learned this especially since stepping into the pulpit. There's a lot of names to learn. And one of the ways people really believe that you care about them is if you learn their name. That's why when you become a new member, we give you one of these. Okay? Now, I'll be honest. Personally, this is not my favorite thing to wear. But it's not about me. It's for the benefit of others who don't know my name. If we love them, we want them to be able to know our names easily and to learn them. But here's the other problem we have at Northside. We have become so large that it has become easy to just stay in our little comfort zone of people we know, whose names we know. And, oh man, I see that person over there. I don't know his name. Has he been here a year or 20 years? I don't know. I'm just not going to ask him. Why embarrass myself? And so when you pass the book... You have the opportunity to say, oh, here's the name of the guy, Mark Yakely. I wondered. I wondered what that guy's name was. And then afterward, we're going to talk about this. You'll be able to say, hi, Mark. It's good to meet you. Or especially in the case of our guests, that's what we really want you to focus on. You can say, hi. It's so good to have you. I know the preacher said that, but you know he sort of has to. But when you say it, it has a ton more meaning. So this will help us to learn the names of the people sitting in our row. Um, and you'll have two chances. So keep the book open when you pass it both times. And look at the names and especially pay attention for our guests. Knowing names will help us all to be friendlier. Don't pass them early. Remember, we want our guests to... Be in on this. So we'll tell you. It'll normally be about the time of the contribution. And we'll tell you, okay, pass the books now. And then, then we'll be able to. And if there's a guest sitting on the left end, if you'll just be a kind host and say, hey, uh, would you mind to pass that and fill it out? And, you know, just, just nudge them a little bit in a friendly way. Our hope is that everyone on the pews will sign the book. It would pass, start on the left, move to the right. And then pass it back to the left. And then our young men will come and pick it up. Now, today we're not going to pick them up. Uh, but we're just going to leave them in the left end of the pew until after worship. One final thing, you're going to see prayer and information requests. These are special cards in the left-hand side of each book. We hope that you'll guests will take advantage of these, saying, here's how, what I'd like to know more about Northside. But we'd also like members and guests, too, if they have prayer requests. And what you're going to do is simply fill out that card. And as you pass out the doors, there will be a, uh, a lockbox where you can put that card in. It will be treated privately, confidentially. And those who you've asked to pray for you 
we will do that. Those who have interest in different ministries will be contacting you. This morning, we don't have the boxes yet, so you'll see that there are these little green baskets. And just simply put your card in there uh, on your way out. Um, So fill out these cards and drop it in the box as you enter. Now, I've said all that. Go ahead and pass the books. Now, see, some of you, you got ahead of me, didn't you? Now, as you pass the books, be sure to fill them out. Members and guests alike. And while you're doing that, I'm going to give you the last three steps. Number two, act like a greeter. Official greeters are at the doors every Sunday, and they do a great job, but they're limited. They're supposed to stay at the doors. Everyone else, if you're not an official greeter, needs to take on the role of a greeter. Ah, but I'm not an extrovert. I'm not outgoing. That's okay. You don't have to be. You just have to show that you care. You have to be willing to engage with people. You have to be willing to practice the golden rule. If you see someone wandering around looking like they're lost, don't wait for them to find a deacon of lost guests. (laughs) You go to that person and say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. You look a little lost. Can I help you? How may I help you? That's important. Someone who comes to a church building for the first time, oh, it can be overwhelming. Now, if you've been here for a long time, you don't think it's intimidating at all. But try to go back to the first time you came here. Another thing you can do. Now, see, I didn't even have to tell you to do that. I just threw up a fake smile and you guys started smiling in return. You even started laughing and giggling like you actually enjoyed being at church. Now, there's a lesson in that for us. We should look like we're happy to be here. And especially when you meet someone you don't know, put up that smile. Well, I don't feel like it. Good. Fake it. Use their name. Well, how do I know their name? Well, you got to ask. If you don't know it, you just say something like what I say most every Sunday to members who've been going here a long time. Hi, I'm Toby. I probably should know your name, but I'm sorry I don't. And shake their hand and look them in the eye and let them know that they mattered enough for you to risk your own pride to ask their name. Third, go the extra mile. Really, look for their needs. Anticipate. You guys see a a single mom walking in with four kids. Maybe you could say, hi, welcome to Northside. Oh, I love that you brought your children. We have a wonderful children's program. Can I show you down to the safari wing? We have a great children's program. We just walk with them. Don't say, oh, heavens, don't say, it's right over there. Just go right over there. Put the kids down there. Keep them quiet. Goodness. Walk with them. Go the extra mile. Last one is please, oh please, don't be territorial over your pew. <laughs> you all, I get, every Sunday I get up to talk to you and I almost always know where to look. James is sitting right there. Brian's sitting right there. I mean, you know where they're going to sit. Mark and Kimberly sit right there. You know where they sit. But people, your name is not on that space. 
If you walk into, and there's a rush, it is funny too. After class, the second bell, we've got people waiting at the doors. Come on, Harold. Come on. Let's go. I mean, it is a mad rush to get my spot. Oh, God forgive us. I'm serious. If you get to your spot and someone else is in it, good. The Holy Spirit needed you to move. Find another spot. It's gotten so bad. I hate to bring this up. We have to have a chained off area for our guests. I'm serious. It got so bad that we chain the area off so our members don't go, well, I like the back row. We chain it off. Now, how would you feel coming to a congregation and you're there for the first time and the, the deacon says, come over here. We have a chain that you can sit behind. <laughs> Stay there. All right. Just move. I went to a church in town, not a church of Christ, not, not one, well, a church you would know for sure. For another event, we were there for two days, and I came in for one of the sessions. It was a seminar or something, and I saw an empty seat, and I sat down. And Christy sat down, and we were waiting. And a, a sweet, dear, elderly lady came up and said... She smiled at me. She said, young man, you are in my seat. She kept smiling, fangs protruding, and she didn't move. At some point, I'm sure she said, bless your heart. That's code. So we looked up and we got all our stuff and we moved over. Now, it was a great seminar. I'm sure I learned a lot of things. It's a great church. I'm sure they do a lot of things. But when I left, ten years later, what do I remember and what story am I telling you? Don't be that way. Don't be somebody's bad church story. And certainly don't represent Northside in that way. We believe, that's why we don't put names on the pews. We believe everybody has a seat. It's just like the airlines. I know nobody wants to sit in the middle seat. You get on and oh, everybody's on the out, the window or the aisle. Nobody wants to be in the middle. Move to the middle. It won't kill you. It won't kill you. Treat every non-member as a guest. Now, you notice I never use the word visitor. There's a reason for that. A visitor is unexpected and, and an inconvenience, and you can't wait for them to leave. You've had visitors. A guest is someone who's invited and expected, and you're, you're sincerely looking forward to them be, being there. You hope they'll stay for a while. You say, ah, just semantics, you millennials and all your fancy words. Listen to me now. Do you guys go to Chick-fil-A on Saturday night to make it through the 24-hour fasting period? <laughs> I know, I'm the same way. I'm at Chick-fil-A last night about 9.30. And it occurred to me, there's a reason I like going to Chick-fil-A. Because when I pull into the drive-thru, they don't say, Welcome to Chick-fil-A, what do you want? 
They say, hi, my name is Ashley. Welcome to Chick-fil-A. We're glad you're here. How may I serve you? There's a difference. When Chris Maples worked at Chick-fil-A and he went through, he didn't just say, you don't just say, can I take your trash? What do you say? May I take your tray? May I clear your table? It's not just, what do you need? What can I get you? Need a refill? No, it's how may I refresh your beverage? Right? Now, you all want to go to Chick-fil-A, and you can't. But you will Monday morning. Now, they make good food, but there's something else to Chick-fil-A. It's how they talk to their customers. It's how they treat them as their guests. May we be the same way. And we're even open on Sunday. All right. Last one. I know we're running long. Take three minutes and ten feet. After the closing prayer today, since you've passed the book, and hopefully you know the names of the people on your pew, at least one or two, take the first three minutes and use that to introduce yourself to guests or members that you don't know. And we've got people up in the balcony that are going to be watching, uh, making sure. The second thing is observe the 10-foot rule. Whenever you come within 10 feet of a person that you don't know, smile at them and say hello. And, it, you know, if you can engage in more conversation than that, wonderful. But three minutes and ten feet. Now, remember, this is all a work in progress. We know the books aren't perfect. We're going to change them. We're going to adapt them. Uh, Mark and his team have done a great job. But the first time is the worst time of anything. And so we're, we just need to start doing something. We want to try to improve it. So maybe you have suggestions or questions or an idea well, you want to email Mark about that. <laughs> but let me say, before you blast off that email, be a problem solver, not a problem finder. Okay? It's always easy to find problems. Anyone can do that. Being a problem solver is much different, and that's who we are at Northside. Well, today, hopefully, has been helpful to you. Because it's so important that we love our neighbors. Loving God is the first commandment. Loving your neighbor is the second. You can sort of fake the first one. You shouldn't, but you can. But the second one, you can't fake for long. We need, as a congregation, to be better. Not that we're horrible, but just always seeking to improve loving our neighbors. Now, the greatest act of love, of course, is that Jesus died on the cross for us. He paid the price for our sin. And he has moved heaven and earth that you might know eternity with him. But if you're not in Christ, and the Bible says the way into Christ is in faith and repentance and baptism. If you're not in Christ, we need you to be in Christ so that you can know God, so that you can know his love, and that you can learn how to love more perfectly. We love because he first loved us. If you're a guest or member this morning and you have any need, you want to put on Christ or you've, you've lost your first love, well, we want to help you with that. That's what we're here to do at Northside. Our shepherds and I will be down front to meet you. If you have any need, please come now as together we stand and sing.